Did y'all have a good week last week? I had an awesome week. Did, was anybody here for the message last week on prayer? Huh? Is Brittany, did she tear it up? I mean, I did something out of the ordinary. I listened to the message and then I went out there and did it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, she's talking about getting off the phone and uh, go, spending that time praying. And I said, oh, I think I'm going to do that. Like to war me out. I mean, I was praying in the spirit. I was praying in tongues. I was praying for these people. Uh, overseas, I was praying for you guys. I was praying for this morning, but uh, that's an awesome message. We got uh, another brother, John Renault, going to be up here next week, and he always preaches a good message. But tomorrow, this morning, we're going to continue on in a series we've been in for about the last couple months called uh, Being Battle Ready. And where this series came from, Last year, at one of Pastor Brad's uh, pastor retreats, someone got a word from the Lord about the church being battle-weary. Now, some of you guys know what I'm talking about when I say battle-weary. I mean, you know, you've been fighting the devil for the last two or three years. Uh, 2020, it was a hard time. And just things in your life. And it hits your Christian life. I mean, it seems like it's just poof. Poop, poop. And we've been fighting and we've been in that fight so long, we just start getting wore out. And the word that guy said is, now's the time not to get wore out. Instead of being battle weary, we need to be battle ready. And so we started this uh, series on the full armor of Christ from Ephesians chapter 6. And Preached on about all this armor. This is spiritual armor, folks. This is God's armor. This isn't physical armor, but he talked about the most important piece, that belt of truth. You put that truth on, it got to be the first thing because everything else rides on truth. Then he talked about the breastplate of righteousness. Then he talked, well, which we never did, but put on the shoes of the preparation of the gospel. Then pick up the shield of faith above all. And then put on the helmet of salvation. And then he said, pick up the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And above all, pray in all things. And we've been looking at those. But what I want to look at this morning, if you brought your Bibles along, I want to hit the first part of that. Because... If you're going to put the battle, if you're going to put the armor on, you, you won't get in the battle. You don't want to be walking around Walmart with your armor on and not be able to use it. You, you battle up this spiritual armor. I don't know about you, but I want to go out there and use it. So, But you got to have it to use it against somebody. And that's the important thing. We don't want to use it against somebody else. We want to use it against the enemy. We want to use it against the right person. Uh, we don't want any, uh, you know, what, friendly casualty. We want to hit who it belongs to, Satan. So if you found uh, the sixth chapter of Ephesians, if you don't have your Bible, we'll have, we're going to have it right up here. We're going to begin reading the first four, uh, verse 10, the first four verses. It says, finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having all done all to stand. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not the sharpest pencil in the bunch, right? That's why you guys understand me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I used to read this and it would go over my head 
I mean, I got the first part of, the, of Ephesians. You know, he's talking about doctrine. He's how, talking about how we should have relationships in the church, how we should have uh, the, the setup of the church, uh, relationships with other people. And then I'd get to this part. And all of a sudden, he's off on this armor. And then he's talking about principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, I, I, re- I mean, I'm honest. I didn't have a clue what he's talking about. Is he talking about the Romans? Is he talking about people or what? So I want to take you back on my journey to where I figured out what this was because I want it to help you and I want the rest of my message for you to understand how important it is. Okay, the first four books of the New Testament Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are gospels. That's what they're called. Those are four biographies written by four different authors on the life of Jesus. You want to know about the life of Jesus, you read those, you get four different perspectives, and you pretty well know about it. Then you move on, and you come to the book of Acts, A-C-T-S. The whole, the whole title of that is The Acts of the Apostles. Now, this book starts where the Gospels left off. Dr. Luke wrote this, the same one who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And Acts just picks up where Luke left off. And it talks about uh, the, uh, the resurrection in the Gospels. Then you get over here and we see the ascension into heaven of Jesus. Then we see how the he sent down the Holy Spirit and filled the apostles. And now they began to start this church. It began to reach out. And pretty soon we're introduced to a guy named Saul of Tarsus, who would later be known as the Apostle Paul. And the rest of the book of Acts, we see his missionary journeys. He was a missionary and a church planter. And he would go around. He took three missionary journeys. And if you can imagine how difficult this was. He's going into places, some of them never even heard of God. They heard of everything else, but they never heard of Jesus Christ, and they don't have Bibles like we do. They don't have seminaries. They don't have Google, and he's trying to start them out. Well, you can imagine how difficult that is. So what he did was he would write them letters And that's what we have next. You get to those funny sounding books, Ephesians, uh, Thessalonians, Corinthians. You know, and you wonder what those are. Well, those are letters, actual letters that Paul wrote to churches. They had questions. They'd send someone to Paul. They'd write a letter. Hey, Paul, we're having difficulties here with this. We need to know what we need to do here. And Paul would sit down and write him a letter. You know, that's what Ephesians is. You know, there were no uh, chapters and verses. Those were put in years and years later. All this is is a letter that a loving uh, church starter, loving spiritual father wrote to his children, this church, so that they could live the victorious Christian life. So when I'd get to Ephesians, I'd get to this part, you can see where my problem was. When you read these letters, you're reading someone else's mail. (laughs) And if you don't know what's going on, like I said, you ever get a text? What in the world were they talking? It's usually someone you've been texting with, and they're, huh? Pretty soon you get that, oh, sorry, my bad, wrong person. (laughs) I got one the other day here a while back. Hey, do you need eggs? Well, I haven't had any eggs in my refrigerator since I hit $5 a dozen. I don't know where he's coming. (laughs) Yeah, send all you can. (laughs) Oh, wrong person. (laughs) My bad. But you see, if you... If, if the letter's not to you, you don't understand. So I, I could pretty much understand most of it because it was just church doctrine that I knew. It was about relationships. But he gets to this part. I had no idea what he was talking about. The only thing is, the Ephesians, 
They knew exactly what he was talking about. You know, take it if you read, like, like if someone wrote Lisa a letter, I could read it and I could probably get it because I know her. So later on, as I began to study the book of Acts, I went back to where they, Paul started the church at Ephesus, and now all of a sudden, light started shining on what he was saying. And I just want to go back to Acts chapter 19. The whole chapter 19 is where he started. I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to read a portion of it so that we can kind of understand what he's talking about, where these people were. So in Acts 19, starting verse 11, it says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the disease left them, and evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those with evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Also there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish high priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, I know Jesus and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This became known this became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together, and they burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it was about 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of God grew mightily and prevailed. I want to stop right there because I want you to see this church at Ephesus where they were. The church, before Paul came there, this region of Ephesus, this city of Ephesus, they were steeped in the occult. You know, they believed in magic. They had the temple of the princess Diana in Ephesus. People would come from all over Rome to worship, you know, make their pilgrimages to worship Diana. Uh, and then they had all these uh, demonic spirits. Now, this is what I read in a commentary years ago. I really couldn't find it now, but I'm going to tell you what it said because it opened my eyes. Okay, when Paul, he's talking about, you know, you're battling with principalities, powers, rulers of darkness and spiritual hosts of wickedness. When he named those, he was naming the names of the gods and the demons that these guys were worshiping. So it didn't have, I didn't have a clue. When the Ephesians read it, they knew just who he was talking about. And when they talked about it, they started burning all these magic books. You know, I tell you what, I got, they, they said these magic books were probably worth in today's dollars anywhere if it, if it was a drachma or, now if it was a drachma, they're worth 5.1, no, 1.5 billion. If it was a dinero, it was uh, probably around 5 million. But all these books that they burned, they're worth a lot. I mean, I, I put mine on eBay, but not these guys. They wanted to get plumb rid of them, and they burned them. So what I want you to see is these guys knew just exactly who Paul was talking about. And so now all of a sudden, the book of Ephesus kind of made sense to me. Okay, here Paul is. He's answering their questions for them. In this area, you guys need to do this. You guys need to have unity in your church. Number one, above all, you need to have unity. Uh, he talked about relationships between husband and wife, between uh, parents and their children, between workers and their employees, you know, and all these relationships. And then he gets to the very end of his letter. 
And he says, your battle is not with flesh and blood. I'm going to lengthen it a little bit. This comes from the truck driver paraphrase of the Bible. You probably don't have one of those, but I do. He says, okay, you guys are having difficulties in some of these areas. You know, there's little church spats going on. There's no unity. There's uh, some of you husbands and wives. You're, you're not getting along. You're not getting along with your neighbor. And then all of a sudden, Paul says, look, guys, that's Satan. Your battle is not with flesh and blood. Your true battle is with the devil. Your true battle is who he's sent after you. You know, wives, you need to quit yelling at your husbands. I don't care if they're saved or not. You need to quit yelling at them and start yelling at Satan. He's responsible. You know, some of you husbands, you need to quit fighting with your wives. You feel like fighting, go fight with Satan. Besides, I've been married 45 years. You ain't gonna win that one anyway. <laughs> but that's what Paul's saying. You know, and that's where he starts here. And that's the thing that we need to know as Christians. And that's what I wanna preach on today. Your battle's not with people. Your battle's not with your boss. Your battle's with Satan. And I, I got a take-home point that I want you all to take a picture of or whatever. It says, the battles that we encounter in the physical realm, that's where we live, are a direct result of the battle that's taking place in the spiritual realm. You see, there's two realms here, folks. And we don't see this other battle going on, but trust me, it's going on. And if we're going to get in the middle of that battle, we're going to need some spiritual armor. Regular armor isn't going to work. We're going to need spiritual armor. And Paul says, God has given each of you everything that you need to win this battle. Praise God. So I want us to look at three things that the Lord laid on my heart how we can win that battle in the spiritual realm while we're still here in the physical realm. First thing you got to do, you have to envision the enemy. First thing you got to do, you got to realize that we have an enemy and who that enemy is. You say, yeah, that's right. Okay, listen to this. I was looking at a poll from the Barna Group. There's a Christian pollster. Uh, you know, they poll evangelical Christians. That's like us. Okay, out of the poll that they took, they asked, do you believe in Satan? 29% of the people who were polled believed in Satan. Yeah. 29%. And then there was another 6% who somewhat believed in Satan. You know, they, they believe, yeah, there is a Satan, but he probably doesn't affect my life. All this stuff that's happening is just going to happen. So you got 35% of, of evangelical Christians who believe in Satan, and you got 65%. Is that right? Okay. <laughs> I didn't do that good in arithmetic. Uh, but you got 65% of people who don't even believe in Satan. You know, if this, audio, if this auditorium was at right here, you people would, no, nah, you guys are rough over there. <laughs> okay, my wife's over here. I don't hear about it all. Okay, you people, here's the, this 35% over here believe this whole 65% does not even believe in Satan. They don't believe we have an enemy. And yet, the Bible teaches it all the way through. You know, maybe it's a teaching deal. But, I mean, you get in the third chapter of Genesis, we see Satan come as a serpent, and he deceives Adam and Eve. Sin comes into the world, and then all through the Old Testament, we're taught about Satan. And you get over in the New Testament, early on, Satan comes and tempts Jesus. 
Jesus believed in Satan, by the way. If you don't believe in Satan, I got no for you. Jesus Christ believed in Satan. He was tempted by Satan. And, we're, and Paul, in his letters, taught about Satan. And in the very last book of the Bible, he's through the whole Bible. He's in our lives now. We see where he gets thrown in the fiery pit finally. But you see, folks, the first thing you got to do is believe that you have an enemy because if you don't believe you have an enemy, he's going to waylay you. And that's what people are having problems. Uh, World War II, Pearl Harbor. We didn't have any enemies at that time. We didn't think we did. You know, it's just like we're a neutral country. We don't have any enemies until... Uh, December 7th, 1941. These enemies that we didn't have, 353 Japanese airplanes came in and the largest fleet in the Pacific was decimated all by an enemy that we didn't believe we had. See, that's what's happening in our world today. You want to get decimated? Just believe you don't have an enemy. He loves that. In fact, that's one of the things he does. He's going to get you to believe that there are no enemies. But you see, this battle that is taking place out there in the spiritual realm, but it's showing up here. I got an example. I'm going to read it to you real quick. It comes from the Old Testament book of Job. I think it uh, more clearly shows this spiritual and earthly battle. I'm going to start reading in uh, verse 6 of chapter 1. It, it starts out telling Job was one of the most righteous, gifted, uh, blessed men in all the earth. It said, now there was a day when the sons of God, that's the angels, came and presented themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. This is the spiritual realm. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? And Satan answered the Lord, he said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household and around all that he has on every side? You bless the work of his hands and his possessions and increase the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on the person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now there was a day when the sons and daughters of Job were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them when the Sabaeans raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants by the edge of the sword and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still talking, another also came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, also came and said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and raided the camels and took them away, yes, and killed all your servants at the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell on them. And the young people, they are all dead and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshiped God. See, folks, that's what's happening in our world. You see, we live here in the physical realm like Job did, and Job did not have a clue what was going on in the spiritual realm. You see, it's the same thing with us. 
there's a battle going on against you. It might not be Satan himself, but it's going to be one of his lackeys. And his job make your life miserable. He's going to fight against you. And until we stand up and realize there is an actual battle taking place out in this other realm, we have an enemy. We're not going to fight. We're not going to know what to do. Job hit him. You see, what, the first thing we need to do, folks, we need to acknowledge, we need to see that we do have an enemy. Bible teaches us all about it, you know, as long as we read. But, you know, we go around thinking, well, that's not Satan. Yeah, it probably is Satan that's coming against you. Let me tell you one other thing before we go to the next point. I want to tell you about Satan. Satan is not equal to God, okay? He is a true, real being, but he is not equal to God. He is a created being. God created him. He used to be one of God's angels, and then he fell into sin, and he was kicked out of heaven along with one-third of the angels. Okay, God is omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. Satan is not. God is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. God knows what I'm thinking in my heart, in my head. I don't have to open my mouth. Satan, he is not omniscient. Satan doesn't know what you're thinking. Some of y'all may keep your mouth shut and, he'll get, <laughs> and quit crying about it and he'll get off, your, get off of you. Okay, uh, Satan, what, uh, okay, omniscient. Also, he's not all-knowing. That's omniscient. He doesn't know what you're thinking. He's not omnipresent. Okay, omnipresent, that means God can be anywhere he wants to. He's right here. He's in each of our hearts. He's over in Uganda right now, all at the same. God can be anywhere. Satan can't. Satan can only be in one place at one time, which is good news for us because he's probably not, the chief, you know, the chief bad angel will probably never come up against Satan himself. But don't remember, he took a third of the angels. Just like Ephesus, they had the uh, principalities, powers, rulers, hosts. They had theirs. We're going to have ours. He's going to send them. But we do have an enemy. And until we start realizing that, that armor, all it is is a good te uh, teaching. That armor is spiritual armor. It's God's armor. And if we're going to go up against the spiritual battle that's taking place in the spiritual realm, we need, we're going to have to use some spiritual armor. Okay. First of all, vision. Envision the enemy. Acknowledge you have one. The next thing we need to do, we need to encounter the enemy. It's pretty easy, you know, look and see what is the enemy. You know, what does he do? How do we know if it's the enemy? Easy. If it's good, it's God. If it's not good, it's Satan. I'm just telling you that right now. God isn't going to give you anything but the very best. He wants the best for your life. In fact, John 10, 10 pretty much says it. You just put this up to anything. Jesus said the thief, that's Satan, the thief comes only to kill and to steal and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Right there, everything you need to know, God wants you to have an abundant life. God wants you to live to the fullest. God wants you to be happy. Satan, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Same in the church. God wants to have unity in the body of Christ. Not just this church, the entire body of Christ. He wants us to have unity with Uganda over there, those believers over there. That's why we sent them over there. And we're going to keep sending them over there. But you, you want to know what Satan wants? He wants disunity. He wants confusion. And I'm going to tell you something right now, folks. Don't ever let the enemy use you to cause disunity. Anywhere. 
I'm talking about at work. You got disunity in your workplace. You got a bunch of fussing and bickering all the time. Makes it miserable to work there. You, your battle's not with flesh and blood. That's Satan that's causing that. Just make darn sure that you're not the one that he's using. Not only unity, uh, Satan's a liar. He's a bald-faced liar. He's a liar and the chief of liars. John 8, 44, I love this verse. This is Jesus. And he's talking to the religious leaders of his time. So don't think religious leaders can get off. But Jesus said, and he's talking to the Pharisees, you and your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks his own, from his own resources for he is a liar and a father of lies. I like what, what it says in one of the versions. It said, when Satan lies, he is speaking his native language. He likes. He doesn't even know how to tell the truth. You can tell when Satan's lying whenever his mouth's running. He and, and he's going to lie to us, and he's going to try to get us not to believe that God has the best. That he's been doing that in the Bible. That's his number one thing: is to get you to believe that God does not have the best in mind for you. You know, uh, God doesn't care about you. Uh, God doesn't want what's best for you. See, that's right there, the belt of truth. That's why that's the first thing you put on. Someone starts lying about you, that, don't fight with them. Go out and start cursing Satan. Satan, you're a liar. Quit speaking your own language. I'm not going to receive it. Yeah, the people can lie. That's Satan behind them. You don't have to receive it. You just go back and tell them the truth. No, that's not right, Satan. I'm a child of God, and I'm not doing that. He also tried to get to believe that, believe that God doesn't want the best. No, that God's word isn't the truth. I mean, he, he tries to do that. He's been trying to do it since the very beginning of the Bible, Adam and Eve. You know, God gave them this beautiful garden. Anything you want, eight of it, except for that tree in the middle, that's mine. You can have all of them. And Satan comes in and lies to them. Tell them God's holding back on you. God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open. You know, you need to go ahead and eat it. Lie, lie, lie. And then he comes and... I'm going to tell you something, folks. This book right here, you need to live your life by it. I do. This is the truth. Everything in here is the truth. It is inerrant. It is infallible. And this is, if, you, if you want the blessings of God, you better read that book and do what it says. But the devil, he's going to come in and say, uh, that's not true. Yeah, that, uh, that uh, creation story, yeah, that's a myth. And you sure don't want giants. There aren't giants. I mean, someone's lived in a fish for three days. That's a lie. You don't have to believe that. And he gets you on there, and then he gets in the New Testament. You believe in the virgin birth? That's ridiculous. No one can be born of a virgin. You believe that Jesus rose from the dead? No, he was a regular person. There's no way he can rise from the dead. And on and on and on, he puts those doubt, ping, ping, ping. He's a liar and he's a thief, folks. And he can't do that to us. Okay, not only does he lie to us, folks, he wants to decimate our lives. I mean, he's gonna use everything that's around us. Let me give you another lie. The Lord laid this on my hand, on my heart, and I just, it just okay. The strongest relationship I believe there is are human relationships <clears throat> is with a mother and a child. Not necessarily a child and a mother, but a mother to her child. You don't believe me? Go out in the lobby after church 
and mess with one of these Christian women's kids. They will tear your head off. I mean, my kids are in their 40s. You mess with them, their mom will tear your head off. I mean, that's what moms do. Every instinct that God put in them was to protect their child. Good deal. I read it a couple years ago at a paper. It happened in Florida. Of course, everything happens in Florida, right? Alligator comes out of the canal, little kid playing in the backyard. The alligator grabs the kid and heads back to the canal. Okay, now if this is a dad, the dad's like, oh, I guess I better go get my gun and try to shoot that thing before it gets back in. Mom, uh-uh, not this mom. This mom went and wrestled the alligator. This, I mean, I read this. She wrestled the alligator, got the kid away from the alligator and saved him. I mean, that's, it was instinct. Oh, I know another one. We were at a swimming party one time and all the kids were swimming in this pool and all the adults were sitting around in their street clothes because they didn't want anybody to see them in their Speedo. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this little girl, she was probably I, maybe four, but she wasn't old enough to swim, okay? And she's walking along the edge of the pool and these kids are having so much fun. She thinks she's going to have fun too, jumps in. Okay, all of us were sitting there like, huh, I wonder if she knows how to swim. Well, I better look. I wonder if I can get in there without getting my clothes wet. Mom was right there. Before that kid hit the water, that mom was in there fully dressed. Man, didn't even think about it and saved her kid just because of that instinct. Okay, so what kind of a liar does it take to get a mom who every instinct God put in her was to save that child at all costs. What kind of lie does the enemy have to have to get that mom to believe, hey, it's okay if you take that child's life. It's not born. It's not, it's not a person yet. You can go ahead and take that child's life because it'll make your life easier. He's a liar and he's the father of lies and he's a thief. But he'll also use things to get to us that uh, just are right around here in our society. You know, some people don't have a problem with it. Take alcohol, for instance. You say, well, I don't have a problem with it. Well, if he can get enough of it down you, he can, get, he can control you. You know, don't look saintly because I did some ignorant stuff when I drank a bunch of stuff. He'd get me to do ignorant stuff I wouldn't do normally. That's why you ever see a liquor store, they call it wine and spirits. You ever wonder why they call it spirits? Because if he can get enough down, he can get his spirits to do whatever they want to. Uh, and then there's uh, marijuana. My goodness. Thank you for voting no if you voted no. And I, you may love it. You may think it's all right. But I think it's the same way. In fact, I, lo I love this, uh, one of these dope shops down there on Van Buren over by uh, Sonic. I mean, that person doesn't lie. It got right on the side of the building, Satan's Garden. I think Satan's trying to get him to take that off there because he doesn't want to get bad press. Yeah, leave it up there. Let them know. But you see, he's always doing stuff. And not only that, he'll attack your person. If you're, if you're going out there doing stuff for God, he'll attack your person. You know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians, many of y'all know this verse, he said, and least I should be exalted above measure, by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. Look at this. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, principalities, powers, rulers, that I might not exalt above measure. You see, Satan came against him. His, his body and went against him, you know, attacked him. I got a story of my own about that. You know, one time, and, and let me just tell you guys, 
since I agreed to preach today and the Lord told me what my message was on, I've been getting attacked big time. I mean, just bam, bam, bam. I knew I was going to before I ever did it, though. I was ready. I had me some armor on. But one time, a long time ago, well, a real long time ago, okay, I was doing the same thing. I mean, I was making damage into, in, into Satan's kingdom. I, I was exposing him, like the message says today. Well, so I get a load to Chicago. I'm driving about 10 o'clock at night. I'm going through Tulsa, you know, just <laughs> no cars out there, anything, just enjoying myself. And all of a sudden, oh, whoa! And glass started shattering. And I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> After I claimed my bridges out, I got over there on the side and got on, the, and I get out, you know, my heart's just like this, and I don't know what's happened. And I get out, walk around the truck, don't see anything. Well, I had one of those trucks with a sleeper, a condo sleeper on it, and it had one of these boom windows in it. I look up there, and that window was shattered. Someone had dropped a brick off one of the overpasses, and it had taken that window out. And it didn't take me long to figure out if that brick would have been dropped like a second sooner, it would have came right through the windshield and I wouldn't be here today. Or at least I wouldn't be this good looking as I am right now. But, you know, a couple days later, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, hey, bud, how come every time you tell that story, you say that if the brick would have been dropped a second sooner would have come through your windshield. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I don't know because I, it would have. And he said, you don't give your enemy near enough credit. He says, you don't think your enemy knows the exact time to drop a brick to get it to go through a windshield? He said, that brick was dropped at the exact perfect time to go through your windshield. I sent one of my angels there to deflect that brick. You see, we have God. We, we, we can fight. There's a battle going on out there. It comes into our world, and the enemy wants to take you out. That's why this armor is so important. That's why the teachings that we've had on this armor... They make a difference. This is not physical armor for this world. This is uh, spiritual armor for the spiritual fight. That's why the first thing Paul says is you put on the belt of truth. I mean, everything, everything rides on the truth. This Bible is the truth. We need to read this Bible. We need to study this Bible. We need to live this Bible. We need to know the truth. So when the enemy comes, start lying to us. All I do is tell them the truth. Get out of here. Get thee behind me, Satan. And then once you got that belt strapped on, you put on the breastplate of righteousness, not your righteousness, Christ's righteousness. Because when you know the truth, you can walk in righteousness. You're living the truth. You're living a righteous life. You're, it guards your heart, that breastplate. And then you can put the shoes on, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel. That's your witness, folks. You want to stand firm against the devil? You better have... You better have a firm foundation. That's your, without even preaching a word, that's your testimony. You have that testimony. That above all, pick up the shield of faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Here's the deal about that shield. The more you know about the Word of God, the more you read the Word of God, the more you stand on the Word of God, the greater your faith becomes. And the greater your faith becomes, the bigger your shield is. That way, when Satan's sitting there with his ping, 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 trying to hit you with his fiery darts, trying to hit you with his lies, you're just sitting back there like, okay, whatever. Then he says, put on the helmet of truth. I mean, the helmet of salvation. Folks, that's what you strap on because there's the biggest battle right there between your ears, the battlefield of the mind. And when you can get that mind li lined up with the truth, 
You got it on. He cannot get to you. See, that's what we need to do. We got to have that helmet, folks. It's the first thing you got to do. There is a devil. The devil has underlings. He wants to come against my life because I'm a Christian. Then you can start fighting. But you're totally protected now. Now you can take it to him. He said, pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the Word of God is living and is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide even to soul and spirit, bone and marrow, and is a discerner of the hearts and of the intents of the heart. You see, that's when you take, that's what I've been doing all week long, says Brittany's message. I've taken that sword. I'm chasing the devil. He's not chasing me. I'm going out. He can't get me because I'm fully armored up. I got the helmet. I'm not going to listen to his head trash. And I'm going to take, take that sword, and I'm going after him. That's what he said, and then what we preached about last time, prayer. That's where you go after him. I'm fighting over in Uganda right now in the spiritual realm. The Word. Pray with all kinds of prayers in the Spirit with all kinds of prayer and supplication. You see, folks, that's what we do. But you got to remember, the battles we're fighting here, quit fighting with your neighbor. Quit getting mad at that person who cut you off. Tell Satan, get thee behind me, Satan. That was you. I'm not even going to get mad. That's what the helmet's for. But you see, folks, when we can understand we have an enemy, when we understand the true battles out there in the spiritual realm and quit fighting them in here, then we're going to do some damage to the kingdom of God. I love what Jesus said when his 70 disciples came back. He had sent them out two by two to minister, to chase out devils, to heal people. And when they came back to Jesus, the first thing he said was, guys, I saw Satan fall like lightning out of, out of heaven. When we get together, folks, we start finding them, Satan going to fall like lightning out of heaven. I want you to see one last thing because there's another letter that was written to the church at Ephesus. And I want to end with it. It's over there in the book of, the Re- book of Revelation, chapter 2. You see, he wrote, we can see, does this really work? You know, he told these guys that, but does it really work? Is there really spiritual armor? Can you really uh, fight the devil? Well, over here, he says, to the angel at the church of Ephesus, right? This is like 30 years later after this letter we've been reading. These things says the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. said, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who do evil. And you've tested those who say that they're apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars, just like Jesus did. And you persevered and have patience, and you have labored in my namesake and have not become weary. See, they didn't become battle-weary because they had on the armor. You know, they were ready for a fight any time there was. But listen to this last part that Jesus said. This is where I fall into it because I've been fighting a long time, folks. I know what it's like. I've had that. I've never taken my armor off. It got chinks in it. It's rusted up. But I'm going to keep on fighting with it. But the problem is when you fight long enough, sometimes you get hard. You get battle-hardened instead of battle-weary. And this is what Jesus said. Verse 5, remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent 
and do the first works, or else I will come to you and quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this I have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. If you're like me, you've been to battle a long time and all you care about is taking Satan out. Never forget your first love, the Lord Jesus Christ. Never pull out that sword, especially if it's on one of God's children, without first remembering what Jesus would do in that situation. Stand up for the truth. Don't get battle weary. Remember that the battles that we're fighting in this realm are actually a result of battles going on out there. And here, you're going to live the victorious Christian life. If y'all stand up with me. I want to ask my prayer team to come forward. Folks, this is where it's at. You've been doing battle. You need a little bit of help. You need a lot of help. You've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want to just ask you, you you can start coming now if you want to. But these guys know what prayer is all about. These guys are ready to kick Satan off your back if you need some help. So I want to invite you to come. And I also want to pray over you guys and thank you for not leaving. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just love you with all our hearts. This is, I think this is most our favorite place to be because we just get to breathe in your fresh air. And Lord, we thank you for this service that we've had today. And Lord, I thank you for helping me expose the enemy. And I, I hope someone this really hits someone and that they quit battling with flesh and blood and start battling the real enemy. And Lord, I pray power over all of them. I pray a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. I pray a clear mind over all of them. And Lord, I want to pray for our missionaries just one more time before I leave. I'll be back praying for them here in a little bit. But just uh, as they watch this service today, just let them know and all those people in Uganda just how much we love them and that they're in our hearts and their prayers all the time. And most of all, Jesus, we love you with all our hearts, and we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.